as he did that, you see Christ as this treasure. Up until salvation, up until coming to Christ, you didn't see Christ as the treasure. You saw him as a threat, right? But God's grace overcome the hardness of your heart, and you saw Christ for who he was, and you believed in him. So faith is the fruit of the new birth. That may be strange to hear for some of you, but it's God's regenerating grace in my heart that opened my eyes to see Christ and trust in Him. So it's God's grace that causes me to see Jesus. And as I see Christ for who He is and I put my faith in Him, right, I see God for the treasure that He is. I see God in His glory And in His majesty, no longer do I see God as a threat as far as condemning and judging me, but because I'm in Christ, God becomes a treasure to me. And it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, it's because of the new birth. And in John 3, 6-7, John says, as he's talking to Nicodemus, this is sort of a mystery. It says, that which is born of the flesh is from the flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is from the Spirit. Don't marvel that I said you must be born again. And it goes on to say that God's Spirit moves and acts sort of like the wind. We we don't know who God is going to pour out His grace on. We don't know who the Lord might regenerate or who the Lord might open their eyes or whom the Lord might overcome their sin and cause them to be born again, right? When you think about the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, that's a wonderful picture of what happened to each of us. That's a wonderful picture of what happened and how you became a Christian. Paul was not looking for God. He was not searching for God. In fact, he was trying to eradicate those who believed in Jesus. He was an enemy of God, and God's grace found him in a transformative way on the road to Damascus. And God's grace peeled back his eyes. And what has Paul said? He saw Christ. For the first time in his life, he saw Jesus for who Jesus was, and he put his faith in Christ. So it's the new birth that causes us to love God. It's the new birth that causes us to love those who have been born of God. So if you're here today and you love God and you love God's church, It's because God's grace overcame your sin. So true faith leads to a a depth. It leads to a quality of love for God and for God's people. And John is saying, so the universal evidence that we have experienced Christ, that we have experienced a new birth, that we have put our hope and confidence in, in Christ is that we love God and we love his people. First John, I mean John 1:13 puts it like this. You were born talking about the new birth. You were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but you were born of God. So up until this sovereign act of God's mercy, Your eyes were veiled to who Christ was. 
up into this sovereign act of God's love and goodness in your, in your life. 2 Corinthians 3 says that there was a veil that covered your eyes, that blinded you, that your ears were not capable of hearing the message of the gospel, that your ears were, that your mind was not capable of receiving and understanding what Christ had done for you. And then God's grace, the reality of seeing Christ as the treasure that He is, came about by God's sovereign mercy. In fact, this is such a great act of God. Listen listen at Psalms 19. Psalms 19 tells us this. It tells us that as amazing and as magnificent is the world that we live in, as great as the beauty and the expanse of the galaxies are, and day after day that they sing and proclaim God's glory, that every day they continue to pour forth that there is a God and there is a Creator, it's not enough to remove the scales from our eyes and help us to see Christ. Listen to this. Listen to this, this illustration of the sun. You would, you would think this would be enough to help us see Christ. It says the earth receives about 120,000 terawatts of energy from the sun every day. How much is that? Picture the Niagara Falls flowing at full force now multiply the height of the falls by 20. So over a half a mile of falling water. Now multiply the flow by 10. Instead of 30 tons of water falling over each meter of the fall every second, now there's 300 tons of water per meter. Finally, widen the falls, stretch them until they span a continent. With trillions of tons of water falling over every second. Now, don't stop there. Widen them until they stretch all around the equator. A kilometer high wall of water thundering down incessantly and cutting the world in half. And that's what 120,000 terawatts looks like. Now, we see that every day. We see that miracle every day. And it's not enough to remove the blinders. It's not enough to remove the veil. It's not enough to help us see Jesus for who He is. And so God in His grace comes and conquers our hearts. And the reason reason it's so important that we start there is Romans 3 puts it like this. It says, where is your boasting then, right? Where, Where is your boasting? Well, it's excluded. And why is boasting excluded? It says it's excluded Because salvation is by grace. Salvation is by God's sovereign mercy acting upon your life specifically to draw you to Himself and make Him yours. You see, the spiritual birth seems to proceed and ultimately creates faith so that those who believe do so Not so much as a result of their human volition, but as a result of God's love. So we love God because God first loved us. And if you're in Christ today, that's how you came to know Christ. 
So faith's tied to God. How does, how does that work? How does, how does faith, faith's tie to God is not grounding in its own tenacity. In other words, faith keeps us and holds us to God, not because of your own tenacity of faith, not because of your ability to hold on to God. But it's rather, listen to this, it's rather a response to a saving message that was brought home by the grace of God as He divinely changed your heart. So John wants us to understand that. John wants us to understand that one of the most important things for overcoming the world, one of the most important things for understanding and conquering the flesh is to realize that it's God's grace that conquered your heart. That it's God's mercy that overcame the hardness and the scales in your life. And it's when God did that that you first saw the gospel and believed. It wasn't just that you were more smarter. It wasn't that you were more open. It's that God's transformative grace overcame your sin. And He drew you to Himself. That should cause a lot of humility, shouldn't it? That should cause a lot of gratitude in our hearts. You ever thought about that? You ever, I mean, I was in church for like 16 years before I actually heard the gospel. Now, I heard it every Sunday, and I would hear the gospel, but I, ne- I never heard it. <laughs> you, 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 does it ever just pique your interest? Why all of a sudden did Jesus become this treasure in my life? Why did all of a sudden that this message of the gospel that I'd heard from the time I was knee high, why did all of a sudden it change everything? And the reason it did is because I experienced a new birth. That God's Spirit penetrated the hardness of my heart and allowed me to see Christ for who He was. John goes on and says that when we've experienced this new birth, In verse 2 it says this, This is how we know that we love the children of God. We love God and we obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. So not only does the new birth cause us to see Christ for who He is, not only does the new birth cause us to see Christ for who He is and then to treasure God and to love God's church, But the new birth causes us to love God's commandments. It causes us to love His law. I'm going to read a a few things here. I want you to listen closely. It says, The new kingdom will be glorious and perfect, not only because God will be on the throne, but because God's law will be perfectly followed. Have you ever thought about what a treasure it is that God has given us the Ten Commandments in the world? You ever thought about what our world might be like if we didn't have the Ten Commandments? I mean, just go look at our own judicial system. Almost every law that comes from our judicial system came from the Ten Commandments. So God's kingdom will be glorious not just because He will be on His throne, but His word will be perfectly obeyed. Listen, it says... 
Were we perfect in this world, we would not find God's commands, His laws, His requirements to be commands at all. They wouldn't be commands at all. They would be more like natural impulses, nudges, sort of helps from the outside ourselves, pushing and urging and prodding us towards being what we would ourselves most want to be if we were ourselves were free in our best self. You ever get that as you read the commandments and you're like, God, I really want to be more patient. I really do. And God says that His commands are not burdensome. They're really not commands at all when we're seeing God for who He is, but they're nudges and they're, they're helps and they're pushing us towards what we really want to be as Christians. We want to be more like Christ. We want to be more loving and we want to be more kind. In fact, the very nature of love, listen to this, the very nature of love is to make obedience easy. So why is it so hard sometimes for us to obey? It says the very nature of love is to make obedience easy, right? Because to love someone is to want what's best for them. And God tells us that He ultimately is the best of all best. He is the good of all goodness. He's where all goodness and all things that are right flow from. And so God naturally loves us. And in loving us, it should make obedience easier. So why sometimes does God's commandments feel heavy? Why sometimes does God's commandments feel burdensome? Why sometimes is it a strain to submit and surrender and to obey God's Word? Why is that? And it's because you don't believe and you don't see rightly God's love for you. Right? It's because you're not, we're not seeing God, we're not seeing His love for what it truly is for us. And therefore we see those commands of God as is burdens, right? We, we see them as a ladder sort of to climb. But God has given us a new birth, right? He's given us that so that we see Christ in all of His glory and as we abide in Christ, we understand God loves us. And God in loving us wants what's best for us and what is best for us is God Himself and God's commands that lead us down the path of joy. One of the things that I want you to see here is that loving one another, like loving each other, is not this subjective feeling, emotional-based subjectivism. But I want you to see that, li listen to what that passage says. Listen, listen it says, this is how we know that we love the children of God. So this is how we know that we love one another. We love God and we obey His commandments. So the way that we love one another is by loving one another in line with what God's commands 
teach us. Like it's not that I should just love Zach. If I feel I should love Zach in line with what how God's word tells me to love him. Psalms 19, 7 through 8 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The word perfect means flawless. That God's word, the reviving of the soul, has to do with bringing about restoration or bringing or restoring you. And basically, what this is saying is that God's word has the ability to awaken you to who you really are. You see, since the fall, since the time of the fall, none of us really completely see ourselves for who we are, right? We see ourselves in Adam. We see ourselves fallen and broken. But God says that His Word, that His commands have the ability to restore us to our true identity. Help me understand who I truly am, who I was truly created to be. Isn't that what we look for all the time? That doesn't sound burdensome to me, right? That God's Word, that God's law has the ability to restore me to who I really am. It says the testimonies of the Lord are sure, they're trustworthy, and they make wise people who are foolish. And it says the precepts of the law are right, rejoicing the heart. When you think about God's commands... Do you see them that they have the ability to cause your heart to rejoice? That in God's commands there's joy and delight. And if not, if you do not see them that way, it's because you are not seeing God's love for for you. You're not understanding what it means to abide in Christ. You're not understanding what has taken place at the new birth. That Christ has transferred His record to you. Says the precepts of the Lord are right. That word right means a straight edge. That the, the law of the Lord is this straight edge by which we measure everything else. This goes on to say the commands of the Lord are pure. The commands of the Lord make everything clear, enlightening our eyes. So again, verse 3 says, and His commands are not burdensome. So why, why does God's commands to us as God's people, why, why sometimes does it seem so burdensome? And I would say it's because we see God's commands, we see His laws like the Pharisees see them. Right, the Pharisees, if you look at Matthew 23 or Luke 11, says they would try to give people things that they must do. And it says they would tie these things on to people and they'd make their burdens hard. They'd make their burdens heavy, hard to carry. But Jesus says in Matthew 11 that Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So when you come to God's law, do you, do you see it as a mountain to climb? Do you, do you see it as a ladder that you've got to climb 
in order to earn God's love? Or do you see it as a tutor? Do you see it as a flashlight that helps you through this life? If you see it as a ladder to climb, if you see it as a mountain to climb, then you're not seeing Christ. You're not seeing what it means to be in Christ. Listen, if you come to the law before you come to Jesus, if you try to come to the law before you come to Jesus, it can only diagnose that you're a sinner. It can't save you. Like God's law can't save you. It can only diagnose what the problem is. And so God gives us the law not as a mountain to climb. God gives us the law not as a ladder to climb. That God gives us the law as a mirror. And as I look in that mirror, I realize I do not look like Christ. And yet, I run to Christ and say, Jesus, my only hope is to abide in you. I don't start working harder to climb the ladder. I don't start working harder to climb the mountain. I flee to Christ. And I trust in Him. There's a movie called The Rookie. And if you've ever seen this movie, I've seen it a couple times. And just the other night I was watching it with my kids. And I never noticed in the movie that there's this guy, he's in his 40s. He had tried to make it to the major leagues. He had failed. He'd had some arm problems. And he started coaching this little ragtag team in this little small neighborhood. It's a true story. And so as he coached them, he he basically told them, they said, Coach, you have to make a deal with us. If we, if, we win, if we win our district, if we win the state championship, then you've got to go try out again. His kids really believed that he could still pitch and still throw. And he said, all right. He said, you know, it's a pretty easy little wager here. Probably not going to happen. So he makes this wager, and his team actually wins. And, he's, and they're like, Coach, now it's your turn. And so he goes, and he, he tries out. And he, he actually, I think he's close to 40 when he tries out. He's late 30s. He's throwing like 98 miles an hour. But he gets drafted. He ends up making it to the pros. But in the movie, he shows up at his dad's house. And he's sitting outside in his truck. And he's just sitting there. And he really wants to get his... He, the whole base, he wants to know that he has his dad's smile. He wants to know that he has his dad's approval. And he goes and he knocks on the door and... He's like, well, Dad, I, I, guess you've, I guess you've heard. I'm just here wanting you to give me some advice whether I need to pursue this dream or not. And he's really just looking for his dad's approval. And his dad basically says, son, sometimes we need to get busy doing what we need to do and not what we want to do. And he just walks back inside and it just crushes him. I mean, he's 39, right? He's 39. He's never gotten his dad's smile. And that's all he wants. And that's how we are sometimes as Christians. We already have God's smile because we're in Christ. But we spend our whole life trying to use the law, trying to use the commands as a way to earn God's smile. And God is just screaming, you have my smile because you have my son. And so if you come to the commandments without coming to Jesus, they will be weighty. They will be burdensome. They will be heavy. Verse 4 says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith.
So basically, the way this works is this. God, in His sovereign mercy, grants us new birth or opens our eyes that we see Christ and we run to Christ and we abide in Him. And as we abide in Christ, we see God's beauty, we see God's majesty, we see the glory of God, and we fall in love with Him. And we fall in love with His church. We fall in love with His people. And as we fall in love with His church and His people, we fall in, in love with His commands because we, don't, we no longer see them as a ladder, but we see them as a tutor. We see them as a friend. We see them as a flashlight that leads and guides us down the road to what is best. And the reason that this helps us overcome the world is basically it peels back all the counterfeit glories that the world has to offer. The new birth peels back and shows us this world of fluff, the mirage, the cotton candy, the futility, the broken cisterns of this world. That's what the new birth does. That's what regeneration does. That's what salvation, that's what abiding in Christ does. That's what abiding with His people does is it peels back and it shows the world for what it is. So 1 John 2, 16-17 tells us the things that can make God's commandments seem burdensome. And it's this, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life. So basically, what this passage is saying is the way that you conquer the world is you understand what Christ has done for us in the new birth. You understand God's love. You understand how much God loves you. You understand what He's done, and that helps you to love His commandments. And as you love His commandments, you realize these commandments are given to me because this is what's best for me. And once you walk with Jesus and you see that, and you grow in that, then you begin to recognize, man, the things the world has to offer, this desire of the flesh, that's just cotton candy. It's not true. It doesn't hold water. And so as you walk with Jesus and you understand that more and more, you become a conqueror. The world no longer conquers you, but you conquer the world because you're able to see what is true and what is right. Listen to what Paul says here in Ephesians. This is what he prays for people who have been born again. Listen to what he prays. He said, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So God wants to give you a spirit of wisdom so that you understand. He wants to give you a spirit of revelation so that you see the knowledge of Him, so that you see Him rightly for who He is. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. And that you might know the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is this immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the heavenly places. And so our battle to overcome the world is a battle to believe that God loves us because of what Christ has done for us. And the reason the commandments seem heavy to you is it's not because you need to try harder. It's because you're not believing what Christ has done for you. See, as Christians, as God's church, yes, we believe in doing good to the poor. And yes, we believe in doing good to to our city. 
But our struggle is a battle of faith. It's a battle to believe rightly that God sees us and God loves us. And the reason that we don't love our city more and the reason we don't love one another better is because we're not believing what Jesus says about who we are. And therefore the commands become heavy and they become burdensome and they don't become like a flashlight. So who is it that overcomes the world? It's those who make Christ the object of their faith. Right? It's, it's, it's not my faith. It's not the grit of my faith. It's the object of my faith. And because Christ, like Ben preached last week, because Christ has already conquered on our behalf, right? Who's running the race? The Father or the Son in the wheelchair? Well, Christ has already run the race for us. So we are conquerors. We are conquerors in Christ. So church, I want you to love God's Word. I want, I want you to spend every day that you get up in the Word not to climb the ladder, but it's because in God's Word, it's because the Word is what helps you understand who you really are. And if you're only spending one day a week in God's Word, then the world is probably going to kick you all over the place. Because the world is continuing to tell you not Christ is who you are. The world is continuing to tell you it's how rich you are, it's your status, it's how good you do at your job, it's how, good, it's how people perceive you. And so spend time in God's Word, but spend time in God's Word because it is your friend. It's not your ladder to salvation. It is your friend and your encourager to continually help you understand your true self and who you are in Christ. So read it. Meditate on it. If, that's all, you, if all you do in the morning is have enough energy just to read the Scriptures, read it. There is life found there because Christ has given you life. And Christ has given you the Scriptures, right? Isn't that what Luke says? The Scriptures point us to Christ. The, the Scriptures show us Jesus. And as we see Christ, we see ourselves because we are in Him and abiding in Him. Let's pray.